Well, welcome back to the When I Heard This podcast. My name is Nate Robinsoff, and I'm here with Pastor Joseph Tillman. Pastor Joseph Tillman. Yeah, man. You're on camera. <laughs> we are. Look at the camera. I'm looking. This is absolutely terrifying. Look at the camera. Look at the camera. There's a lot of cameras. And there's people on the other end. Are there? Yes. Oh, man. Right. This is this is horrifying. First off. Yes, sir. Go to Patreon $5. Um, like and subscribe on all of the things. And uh, download and all the other buttons. I always say that. All the buttons. Um, today, we are talking about faith and how man injects themselves into faith and why that happens. And yeah. we are calling it the faith police because that's basically what <laughs> that is. So Sounds good. Um, we are going to be doing that. So my first question, mm -hmm. um, people, man, often interjects their own beliefs into Christianity mm -hmm. and there's a lot of different ways that people do that that splits the church up into denominations sure. and splits those de de denominations into subsects of the denomination sure. and then people branch off of those parts right and it's all usually I think Mm -hmm. Based on those big breakoffs mm -hmm. are based on philosophy and views on the Bible, sure, and new revelations of old English churchy men. <laughs> and so, why did all that happen? <laughs> wow! Okay. And why is there such different interpretations? And, but most importantly, in injections of faith upward okay like i'm gonna make this on equal with the bible okay this interpretation is now the bible okay right right so that's the question okay so, so why is man so involved in god stuff right right in, in church and in christianity um for me, I guess when I'm thinking about that, like there's one part that wants that I want to go like all the way back to the very beginning, because all the like way with, back with to, Adam. Like, okay, well maybe not that far to the very beginning. Okay, but to the beginning of the church. Okay, so Jesus has ascended, Holy Spirit has come down, the church is born, and I guess when I think about the church from that point, automatically from that point, you've got men involved in it, right? Right. And even going back further, man has been involved in right. in following the one true God. Right. All right. Because because after Jesus left, all the disciples just stood around and were like, well, what? Are, well, we well, don't know. We don't yeah. even have a Bible. <laughs> no, they didn't. And I yeah. think that's a huge thing to remember. Right. They didn't actually have a Bible. Yeah. Right. And so uh, every... Every letter that we have that's written in the New Testament was written during the duration of their lives and even afterwards. Mm -hmm. And so you're talking about in that first century, there is no Bible, right. right? When they refer to Scripture in the New Testament, they're actually referring to Old Testament Scripture. So I guess my whole point in all this is that man has been involved from point one in the in, in seeing church cre created, mm -hmm. Okay. And the way that it's played out. Now, in Acts, what you're seeing almost immediately, like in Acts 2.42, is you've got 3,000 people get saved. So now mm -hmm. there's not just the 120 believers that were gathered in Jerusalem the, after the, Jesus left. They were the ones that spoke in tongues? Yeah, they were the ones the Holy Spirit came on, yeah. right? And then from that point, about 3,000, it says, is added to their number in one day. And then the numbers just kept growing. And what we do know about that group is that they were Jewish, so mostly all Jews. Um, there were some in that group and some in that mix that were actually Gentiles that had been known as, as God-fearers or proselytes. In other words, that they were actually followers of the Jewish God, mm -hmm. even though they were not ethnically Jewish. Um, and so, but they were... So the gospel is coming to them early on, and the gospel was a simple gospel of Jesus is the Messiah, 
He is God. Follow him. Okay. And for Jews, it made sense to follow him because they were following him as if they had followed God before anyway. Like followed a previous Jewish guy? No, because he was more than just, the Messiah was more than just like a rabbi. Okay. Okay. And so it was more than that, but they had been following God. Mm -hmm. Okay. So they've been, they were used to, they were used to following a God they could not see. Okay. Because of faith. Okay. So now they're following Jesus, who's no, no longer with them, although the Holy Spirit's in them. And so they're, they're learning, figuring out what it looks like for them to be the church, to be the ecclesia. In other words, to be the gathered group of believers, mm-hmm. the gathered assembly. They're learning what that looks like in the Jewish tradition. Now, as Christianity begins to spread out in the Gentile world, now all of a sudden there is this thought of, well, what does it mean for the Gentiles to follow Jesus? So, like, they, because they didn't believe in invisible God, they would potentially think about it differently. Yeah, well, and most of them were polytheists. Right. So they were were believing in multiple gods. Right. And now there's... What's one more? And for some of them, it kind of could be viewed that way. Yeah. Like, what's one more? But for those that actually were like, okay, this is the one true God, they were following him. What I'm getting to is in Acts 15, there's a passage of there's a passage there where Gentiles are coming with questions to the Jewish leadership of the church, basically saying, how sh- what does it look like for the Gentiles to follow the Lord? Mm-hmm. Because they don't have all of the old law. They don't know all the old law. All the circumcision, following all the traditions and festivals and the sacrifices. and the I mean, obviously, sacrifices were done away with, but they don't know about all the feasts and mm. you know all the holy days. And so what does it look like for them now to follow God? Do they have, do, they have to do all those things now or is it different for them? Mm. And so they decided that there was like a few things they were going to hold them to and just a few things. And the phrase that's used in Scripture there is that it seems good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Okay. And I think, honestly, that phrase has kind of been used from that point on. Like, with it's with, with the way that individuals are interpreting what does it look like for us to be the church? Okay. What does it look like for us to go on the mission of God as the church? It's, it's, so what as long it? as the Holy Spirit likes it, yeah. Like what? Like it seems good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Now, obviously, you know, within a few hundred years, the Bible is canonized, or the New Testament, excuse mm-hmm. me, is canonized. So they have a New Testament scripture to follow now, and so the New Testament does become the canon or the standard for their belief in God. Mm-hmm. But it's still. And I'm looking at scripture and I'm still saying, all right, what what is it, you know, I'm trying to understand the scripture the best that I can. So it seems good to the to scriptures, to the Holy Spirit and to us. And we kind of move forward. And so I think my point is, I think man has been involved for a long time. Okay. And God has always chosen to work with man and not just apart from man. Because even in the Old Testament, most of the books that we have is God's, like, or not most, but there's a whole section of the Old Testament that's just prophetic literature. And all that it is is oracles of God to right. his people through pe- through other people. So you're saying that people picked, like church leaders picked parts that they thought were most important or interpreted parts that they thought were most important, and that's why we have so many churches that we have yeah. today, different uh, denominations. I, I think that's a, a, maybe a, a simple and crude way of putting it, but yes, okay. in essence, that there's, yes, that there's, you look at the different denominations, and so much of it is based on, well, we believe in, so for example, we believe in infant baptism. Well, we believe in just adult baptism, split. Right. And so I think it's gone okay. like that from that, you know, Ever since the 1500s and the Protestant Reformation, that's the way it's kept moving. Okay. All right. So you guys at church, at your church, Mm -hmm. have a mission statement and like a a statement of beliefs. Correct. Which is essentially your, your like, 
interpretation and important Bible points <laughs> that you think is important for sure. this place. Sure. So how do you, like, how did you come up with that? And how does everybody come up with that when they come up with those things? Right. So, well, first of all, in in most Orthodox Christian churches, in other words, that we hold to a biblical, traditional orthodoxy mm -hmm. of doctrine, mm -hmm. they're all going to be the same. The statement of faith, the essentials, Not, not. I'm not saying every word and not every particular doctrine. Okay. But the essentials, the essential doctrines will all be the same. So for example... All those things that we talked about many, many moons ago. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So for example, who is God? Right. Who is Jesus? Who is the Holy Spirit? What is the Bible? The, you know, the Trinity? How is one saved? All of those really, you know, essential things mm -hmm. are agreed upon by anyone who's in a again, a more orthodox tradi tradition. So that's just stealing from the Bible to make your own thing. <laughs> well, okay, it's stealing so, from the Bible to so make so your own thing. That's a weird <laughs> phrase. All right. But so for me, I guess I'd look at it as saying, all right, so there was, so the Nicene Creed mm -hmm. in like the 300s. Right. Okay. And we've talked about this before too. Yeah. The Nicene Creed in the 300s. They laid out a, a basically a statement of belief. Mm -hmm. This is who God is. This is who Jesus is. The Holy Spirit, the Church. Okay, but even that's what we're talking about. Yeah, because someone else wrote that, not by right. And there's a council who came together, right? And they're pulling from Scripture to form this, right? To form a coherent statement of faith mm -hmm. for all churches to hold on to. Okay, and what it does, it, and it was specifically written to come against a rising heresy. Okay. within the churches. And so what it's doing is it's saying, all right, these are the fundamental things that all churches need to hold to. And really from that point, churches have been holding to that. Okay. Orthodox, Orthodox churches. churches. So what about all the other ones? Well, I think we've got <laughs> problems. I mean, I mean, and I say that, I mean, we see that today even, right? right. There's, there's been... I mean, several denominations just in the last 10 to 20 years that have split based off of an understanding of biblical authority. And it really... Bibli biblical authority? Biblical authority and biblical... Like, in other words, all right. That the Bible is, is, is more important than anything you have to say about it? Right. So, for example... All right. So, John Wesley would say that there's like f like four different elements involved in understanding scripture and, under, and understanding church and understand mm. okay so scripture tradition experience and reason okay orthodox churches would say we're going to choose scripture and that's primary well my experience is that the other three don't matter <laughs> the other three just don't matter at <laughs> right. all like just throw them out yeah <laughs> <laughs> who's not really you? i was just I was like, he's telling you this and so <laughs> but and so and so the the with scripture being primary mm -hmm. that's going back to all right we're going to hold on to the nicene creed because the nicene creed has established scripture as primary and what we believe based out of that mm -hmm. okay now what has happened over time is they're within the church splits that's happening in denominations. So you've got one group that's wanting to hold on to biblical orthodoxy, biblical authority, like it is the primary right. source mm -hmm. for what we consider to be truth. Okay? okay. And then, but what's happened is in the other in the other camp, if you were, there's been this evening out, and all of a sudden, scripture is on the same plane as tradition or experience or reason. Okay. So all four of those things equal or, or matter equally. And there's not a primary one out of those. Which is bad. Which I would contend is not good. Okay. Because then we're getting away from an, an objective truth. Which is the Bible. Which is the Bible. Okay. Yeah. And so, and and that's where groups that are kind of quote unquote labeled as liberal Christians or progressive Christians... It's not that they don't okay. take the Bible seriously, because some groups within those camps do. Mm. It's just that they set the set the scriptures on the same plane as tradition, experience, and reason. Okay. 
And and so that's where some of the divisions have happened. Okay, so what's the how did they get there? Wow. Um it's it's been I would say a, a long kind of progressiveness uh I use that word there you now. Go. Yeah. Um it's it's been it's been a it's been a progressive move, um, and I think what happens, to be honest, is you start either. I think maybe a couple things happen. One, you start seeing things in scripture you don't like, so okay. you've got to find a way around it with scripture, with scripture, with other scriptures. Yeah, with other scriptures, or you just simply go, "No, I don't like that scripture." Okay, so we're just going to chunk that scripture. So I don't like this, so I'm going to justify why i don't like it correct okay correct um and so and and it gets into a very um kind of messy a what messy way of approaching scripture okay you know and so there's that there's that one side okay that is like oh, i don't like what that says so uh there's another side that comes through more of the and this is especially in the 1800s mm-hmm. there was a a major move within a a liberal interpretation of scripture that would look into the historical t- context that would look into the grammatical context and all of these things actually are important to look into. But what they began doing, this camp was they began doing is actually saying, well, there's all these errors in scripture. Oh, so like, right. Not and so hard we're just, truth. Anymore. Right. So we're just going to basically say scripture's got too many errors in it. To actually be believable. That would drive me insane. As an inspired word. And so therefore, what we're going to say is that tradition, reason, and experience is just as valuable as what's in scripture. Um, and and then from that point, there's like, I mean, it splinters out a whole lot of mm. different ways then that people approach it. Because once experience is on the same plane as the Bible, right. then everybody has their own church. Right. Oh, absolutely. And, because... and and progressive Christians, a lot of them will acknowledge that. Okay. That it's their experience that's driving their their beliefs now. Okay. And they will still pull from scripture at times. Um there's there's one individual, he's a progressive pastor, and he talks about, well, you know, sometimes like some Easters, he celebrates the resurrection. Other Easter's he doesn't because he's not sure about the resurrection of that right. those years. <laughs> so it, it really depends like on the year if he's going to actually celebrate the resurrection or not. And because he's going back well, and forth. Well, that's the whole point of the mind. day. So why would you even like that's the whole point of the, right. that's the whole thing. Well, I would say that's the whole point of Christianity. Like if Jesus didn't actually rise from the grave, just shut the whole thing down. Right. Um, but so th- so there's so there's those part, and then there's the other aspects of people get wounded by individuals that are saying this is scripture and they're, but they're so like leaders, Mm. but they're so heavy handed with it. It causes them to have a a horrible experience in church. And so now they're bailing. Right. And they're like, well, that's the way they're interpreting scripture. And that was hurtful or abuse or, or even I felt abused in that spiritually Mm. abuse in that I'm out of there. Right. And so but some of them will go, but I still don't want to lose my faith completely. So how do I hold on to the parts of Scripture that I'm okay with, but reject that kind of fundamentalist or conservative or evangelical view mm. and interpretation of Scripture? And so now it's, and again, it gets back to, all right, so that was my experience was bad. So now I'm going to discount or I'm going to lower the my the way I value scripture. Right. And now because I'm going to... Because as my experience get ba- gets bad, since they're on the same level, then scripture goes down with it. Right. Okay. And and so now my new experience says I feel good. Now I'm, that's I'm above being, scripture. I'm being affirmed in what I'm thinking or feeling or mm. saying, and now it rises above scripture. And, I, and, and honestly, I think that's where a lot of the, even the deconstruction comes from. Mm-hmm. Is this idea of now I've been hurt and like and we've talked about this before, but like people legitimately get hurt in church, or maybe they just don't understand why certain things are being taught mm. in the way they are, or maybe the right things are being taught but in the wrong manner. Like in other words, there's not 
either there's not love or empathy or compassion being taught with it, or there's no place for a dialogue. Mm -hmm. There's no place for an interaction to ask questions. It just kind of comes us at, comes off as this is it. Don't argue. Don't discuss. Don't qu really probably don't question. Probably the better phrase. Mm -hmm. And and I and I think we have to get to a point where no, it's okay to question. It's okay to ask. We should all have the ability to ask the questions of, I don't know if I like that, or I don't know if I agree with that. Can we discuss it further? Mm -hmm. And I think, unfortunately, there's not been a lot of that in church. Well, to discuss it further, how <laughs> strict is it that you adhere to the statement of faith and faith beliefs and whatever that mm -hmm. you have at your church? Mm -hmm. Or that anybody like because like I'm pretty sure the Catholics like top down stuff and you uh -huh. must do it right yeah so how strict is all of that like you have yeah. your statement of beliefs right like if you don't if you stop believing one of them one day <laughs> right. is that going to be a problem I think it really depends on what is in a church's statement of faith or statement of belief okay. Because some churches will simply have in there just the basic essential elements of the Christian faith. Mm -hmm. Basically, they're just rewording the Nicene Creed in some ways. Okay. Some churches will say our statement of faith is the Nicene Creed. Um, and that's not the only creed. I mean, there's others as well, but mm -hmm. that's probably the most commonly it's used one. It's the nicest one. one. I'll let you say that. Okay. And so... But then other churches will have the essentials of the Christian faith in there, but then they also have their own distinctives in there. And so okay. think of this as more like, all right, there's the essentials for salvation. Right. Then there's the con doctrinal convictions of that local church. Right. And then in some churches as well, they also have their preferences put into those statements. of Really? Faith. Yeah. Like preferences about what? Well, I mean— Preferences about the way that they understand baptism or communion. Okay. And again, some people will say, well, those are more convictions doctrinally. Mm -hmm. And then, but other churches will label them as their preferences. Like, you know, we, we prefer for you to be dunked, mm -hmm. but if you're not, that's okay. Right. But our preferred mode of baptism is for you to be dunked all the way underwater. So they don't go down to like, I prefer that you not have tattoos. Some churches might. Okay. I mean, that would be, that would be a, if, if that is included in a statement of faith, that's going to be a really long statement of faith. Because in other right. words, now you're getting down into some pretty specific points. Mm -hmm. um, and so I don't know how much. I don't know how, I don't know, I just don't know how, I mean, I can't, that'd just be a really long mm -hmm. statement of faith. And so I can't see a lot of churches going to that depth in it. Okay. And so. But there are some that do. I'm sure there are. Okay. I, mean, I, I wouldn't put it past them at this okay. point. I mean, I don't put anything <laughs> past them at this point. And so, but I do think that when you're asking like for, for, like for our church, mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're wanting to teach statement of faith to our people and help them understand it and also understand these are the essential things. Like we need to all agree on these things. Mm. There are some convictions we have as leadership of the church doctrinally that we believe to be correct. Okay. But we're not like pushing you out the church door if you don't agree with us on it. Okay. Right. So, but there are churches that do would do that. Yes, there okay. would be churches that would okay. do that and push me out the door if I wasn't if I had tattoos. Oh yes, they're okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm, and I'm I hate to say that. Yeah, but yeah, there would be some churches that would see tattoos that would see piercings and say, either have those you know those piercings need to be gone or don't come back. Right, and so, um, and that's the reality. Mm -hmm. Um. And so it really does vary from church to church how strict they're going to want everyone to adhere to every point of that statement of faith. How strict is it that church members adhere to the statement of faith 
standards. Yeah. So, yeah, I feel like, you know, I just kind of. So I asked. Yeah. Yeah. I asked about you, but. Okay. I see. Like, yeah. So for like, obviously as a, as pastor at the church. Right. I had a huge influence in the creation of the statement of faith. Okay. Okay. And so. Really? There wasn't one when you got there? No. Okay. There was not. So in, in our particular church, there was not a statement of faith. Does that happen though? Where a new pastor comes in and the church has a statement of faith oh, yeah. already and the new pastor must change themselves to... Not necessarily change themselves, but would have to adhere to that statement of faith. Okay. Because some statement of faiths are not just created from the local church, they're created by a denomination. Right. And so for the pastor to be within that denomination, mm. they would have to adhere to that statement of faith de- denomination-wide, not just in the local church. Okay. And so... That, that'd be weird. Well, I mean, again, along as long as it's a lot of the essential things, right? It's okay. I think when things kind of start going off the rails is when you're starting to like be mandated. You must believe this about the end times, right? You know, like no one, like yes, do I have a theology? (laughs) I do think it matters (laughs) to a degree, but and I have a theology on the end times, but it's not like fleshed out in our statement of faith. Okay, and our statement of faith. You know, what we discuss in the end times is the fact that there is going to be an eternal judgment of heaven and hell mm. and that there is going to be a second coming of Christ. And that's about as far as we get into it. And so, but I know other churches will be there's very... There's no, like, you must believe in dragons. <laughs> no, there's no, you must believe in dragons. Okay. You must, you know, be able to, you know, quote Revelation right. inside and out yeah. and understand how it relates to Daniel mm. and Isaiah mm. and everything else. No. Um, you must watch Left Behind, the complete series. And only then can you become a church right. member. Right. <laughs> um, and But there are some churches that will take that position of you must, like, we are asking for you to adhere to what's, what would, like, the Left Behind example, a pre-trib, pre-tribulation understanding of Scripture. Yeah, we're gonna have to get into that someday because, because yeah, I don't understand any of it. Right, Most I've people... read Revelation maybe five times. Right, I I couldn't tell you what's in there except dragons, <laughs> just, just dragons, dragons and the eyeball guys. <laughs> right, they're flying so. about, and so yeah. So I think it really depends. So for as a leader, because I wrote the statement of faith along with right our elders and leadership and leadership, mm-hmm. then. I'm obviously going to say yes to all of those points. And I I believe all those things. Mm -hmm. But I'm not asking for every one of our church members to believe on every single thing that's in there. Mm -hmm. Again, for the essentials, yes. But there are things that are within our statement of faith that are more convictions doctrinally for me based on the way I read and interpret Scripture. Okay. And again, that's that's getting back to like we were talking about earlier, the man part in it. Right. And I know that's where people just get like they just want to throw their hands up and be like, we're done. Right. There's just too much. And, I, and so like, I understand that. You should put the entire Bible on your website <laughs> right. as our statement of faith. Right. Our statement of faith is this. Read right. it. Right. Yeah. And I think that's one of the I, but I think it's one of the beauties, actually. I know it's been I know it can be looked at as divisive. But I think it can be one of the beauties is that. People are looking and reading scripture, doing their best to follow the Lord, and actually are coming up with different interpretations of even the same passages. So you're saying it's good that there's a bunch of places around churches that all think differently about certain passages, and I can go find one that believes yeah. sort of what I believe. Because I think we're all wrestling with scripture. Right. Right. And and trying to okay and again the essentials should all be the same, so as long as we're not becoming dogmatic about it, mm-hmm. and, and like there will be people that will become dogmatic about about doctrines that are not essential for salvation. Mm-hmm. They will become absolutely dogmatic about it, and I think the beauty of it is when, it, when people don't become dogmatic, and we are able to actually engage in a conversation of why do you believe this. And I don't like, you know, so for an individual that is not charismatic, right? Mm-hmm. And I am. So I believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Other people believe the gifts of the Holy Spirit died with the apostles. And so let's talk about that. 
right? Not without having become so dogmatic. Like we can, like, how is it that we're all reading First Corinthians 12, the exact, which is about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Mm. We're reading the exact same passage of the scripture and we're coming up with different conclusions. Okay. So I think that's a legitimate discussion point. So what would, what if I said, I don't think that should happen. I don't think people. I don't think people should have different conclusions if the Bible's true. What do you say to that? The Bible's true, but the Bible also is coming from the mind of a perfect God. So, and we're not perfect in our understanding. So we're all trying to understand perfection. Yeah, because I I love the way Paul phrased that we know in part. So in 1 Corinthians 13, which part? <laughs> that's kind of the point, right? <laughs> okay. Like Paul says, we know in part. Uh-huh. In other words, we, we're we doing our best to understand this infinite God and the mystery. And it, throughout Scripture, throughout New Testament Scripture, the church is referred to as a mystery. Okay. So the mystery of this church, and the mystery of godliness, like we're, we are, we are doing our best to grapple with it we're and all understand Indiana it. Indiana Jones. <laughs> yes, okay. we're, we're we're that's 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 yes. Okay, we're Indiana Jones. We're on a hunt. For, <laughs> okay, and, and but but I think that's kind of the, to me the beauty of it mm-hmm. is I can sit around a table with with several individuals. Let's say they're they're all theologically trained. Mm-hmm. You know, they have their you know their masters or their doctorate in biblical studies and you're sitting around talking and you and you literally have people landing on completely different places and I, to me as long as the conversation can be healthy i think that's awesome i think the problem has been is when we disagree with one thing we just want to kind of shun that group Okay, and say well and they're act doing like it like their interpretation doesn't matter, right? Or just say well they're doing it wrong. They got this wrong, mm. so they're not viable. We really got the right interpretation for all things, and I'm not near that arrogant to think that I've got the right interpretation for all of Scripture. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> all right. So what if someone came to your church uh-huh. and was like, "Hey, I think you're." mission of statement of faith is complete bullshit i'd like to be a member what would you say to them uh it's a no-go really yeah okay but we actually have it built into our membership that individuals have to adhere not adhere but to agree to our values and our statement of faith now here's what i mean by agree with it because i've said earlier we're not going to make them adhere to every single point right what we're saying by agreeing is they agree that this is what our local body believes and teaches. Okay. And therefore, we're going to ask for them not to teach anything to the contrary. They okay. can believe it, but, but not but, teach but it not, to other people. But not teach it in like an official setting or capacity. Like if they're leading a discipleship group or a Sunday school class, we would ask they would not teach something that would go specifically against our statement of faith. Okay, so... What if I never find a church that I agree with in full mm-hmm. on the statement of faith? Okay. What do I do? Wow. Find a church that has a very simple statement of faith. Okay. That is only quoting the that's only for the essentials. Okay. And if you're having a hard time with the essentials, like if you're having a hard time with that Jesus is God mm-hmm. or that Jesus is the only way, or that Jesus is coming back again, then I would say it's time to sit down and just with... be Jewish or something. <laughs> Pick a different religion. <laughs> no, not saying that. I'm saying sit down with a pastor or a friend or someone and 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 ask them to help you walk through that. Okay, because the the essentials. For those that are following Jesus or mm-hmm. want to follow Jesus or want to be involved in a church, shouldn't be um, like it's okay with wrestling with them and trying to understand them. But they, at some point, they should go, oh, yeah, yeah, this is what we believe. Okay. Yeah. And, and again, so to be clear, I'm not saying you can't attend our church. Attend. You just can't be a member. Right. That's okay. a big difference. 
Okay. There's people that have been attending our church for years that are not members. Okay. So it is, uh, and and you could actually be like, I disagree with everything on your statement of faith, but I still want to come here on Sunday mornings because I like the people. Or all right. or you, uh, I might disagree with you, Joseph, but your teaching is all right, so I'm cool being here. And as long as you're not like coming in with an agenda causing all kind of issues. I'm I'm fine. Keep coming on Sunday mornings. Plug into our programs. Like for me, I'm I'm great with all of that. And I think maybe that's I think a lot of people probably have never had that experience. Mm-hmm. Like well we need to talk about sometime about why I should be a member of a church versus just come. Sure. Because I still don't get it. And <laughs> okay. I'm now a member of a church. <laughs> right. Right. And I'm like, this doesn't, this, nope, don't get it. <laughs> so. Yeah, I understand. Anyway. Yes. So, but I, I really do. I think <laughs> it's just, you know, people can come and be part of. And I think for individuals, especially for individuals that are like, I've had some bad experiences in church. Mm. I don't even know if I want to believe statement of faith. I don't even know if I'm even ready to look at a statement of faith. I just want to go and just sit somewhere. Mm-hmm. Then I would hope you could find a church that would allow for that. So with what I said earlier, if you just put the Bible on your website and said, this is our statement of faith. Right. Why are these needed at all? Like, why can't you just like, why can't you actually just do that? Yeah. I underst- because I think one, because people are going to have so many various interpretations of scripture. Okay, that there has to be within a local body some consistency of what we believe. Okay, because again, your orthodox, you know, your your church that's in, that's in orthodoxy. In other words, they're evangelical, conservative, however you want to label that. They believe the individuals that believe the Bible is inspired mm-hmm. and inerrant, so without error. They're going to all believe the same basic things. We believe the Bible is true. We believe, you know, who God is, Jesus is, Holy Spirit is, he's Jesus coming back. He's the only way of salvation. Like we believe the Trinity, we believe in all of the basic things together. Mm. So that is not the issue. The issue has become now you have to have these statements of faith because you have so many different distinctives within different churches. Mm. And, and I think, and again, I think that's okay. Like I'm not threatened by the fact that someone doesn't believe, someone's not charismatic. I'm not threatened by the fact that, oh, well, you know, like, so I'm not reformed or not, I'm not Calvinist. Someone else is. Okay. Some of my closest friends are reformed and Calvinist. And so all I'm saying is you can have these differences and viewpoints of the way we interpret scripture mm. and we can still be friends. We can still be in fellowship together in a broader sense, but in a, I think in a local sense, that would in a local church setting that would be tough to have really polar extremes of beliefs in a local church setting. Okay. But I would say that, you know, I was in a church for quite a while where the elders and leaders actually differed on the on, on a lot of the more secondary doctrines. And I found that really refreshing. Okay. Because we could we could differ on all those things and yet still lead a church together, mm-hmm. and it didn't cause this huge massive friction. You know, our leadership meetings weren't these dreadful times. You know, and so I I think that's actually the way it should be. Okay, because I'm never going to expect someone to come in there and believe a hundred percent with what I'm believing. There's just almost no way that's going to happen. So. Are there times when a church can put their statement of beliefs above the Bible in the way they do things? Yes. Okay. And and to me, it's, again, when the non-essentials all of a sudden become essentials. Okay. When the things that aren't just crystal clear in Scripture all of a sudden become these essential like dogmatic positions. Okay. I think that's when the leadership needs to be honest with 
this is not absolutely clear in scripture. This is not, uh, there is, we have a massive 2000 year tradition in Christianity and you can find a large scope of views and beliefs on these certain things. Mm. And again, as long as it's not going against the inspiration or authority of scripture, as long as it's not just blatantly just saying, nope, don't agree with that clear statement in scripture. But like we have to be honest, but there's been a lot of wrestling over doctrines and wrestlings over theology for 2000 years. What makes, uh, what makes me think I would have all of that right? Okay. Yeah. It's kind of the way I view it. So the, strictness of pastors and church leaders to think they have all that right that is a problem i think it can be a problem okay i think and it can be because it can become arrogant and it kind of it can become dogmatic so how do you think why do you think that happens that pastors just believe they absolutely have everything right mm-hmm. it happens i guess the same way that Anything happens, you know, when you become prideful in something. In other words, you begin, you really begin to become knowledgeable or skilled in something, mm. right? So if I am really becoming skilled in a particular trade, the temptation is for me to become arrogant to the point of where I think I know it all or know it better than others. And I think the same thing can happen with pastors or theologians when they're spending so much time in scripture and spending so much time reading other sources Mm -hmm. that, and they are becoming very skilled in it in, in, in terms of like, what is the background context was understanding the original languages, all of that's playing out. But then the problem becomes when they go, all right, now I really know it all. Mm -hmm. I've got it all figured out. And I would say, like with anything, we don't ever have it all figured out. And we definitely don't have it all figured out when it comes to Scripture. Okay, so we talked about how, like, the big denominations will send down doctrine and theology and all the way to preferences, uh-huh. all the way down to church members, mm-hmm. right? Sure. So that feels like a cult. Okay. Is is that cult-like behavior? Again, I think it's it's not it's it's not problematic to have a statement of faith to say that we're going that we are this is this is what we believe mm-hmm. as a denomination and or as a local church. Okay, I don't think that's problematic to have a statement of faith saying this is what we believe, and I don't think it's problematic to ask the members of those churches or denominations to agree to those statement of faith. Okay. I think it becomes problematic when it becomes like they are trying to govern every single aspect of the way that you live. So what's the difference between a way that I think and a way that I live? Yeah, because your thinking will influence the way that you live, right? right? I mean, there's no way around that. And and so what I mean is, and this is kind of getting down to like those preference points, Mm -hmm. I think, is that for the essentials... And like, I think, so to ask church members to say, yeah, I agree with the essentials of the faith. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good. For a particular local church or denomination to say, here's our secondary doctrines. And we are asking for people to, to, to ab- abide by them or to mm-hmm. at least not to, to say yes to them and definitely don't teach against them. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm, I'm okay with that. I think when it becomes more more cult like when it becomes like controlling. Okay. And where it's like I'm con- I'm really trying to control the smallest things of your life. In other words, how uh, controlling every aspect of the way you use your money. Controlling every aspect of where you live. Okay. Controlling aspects of um the time that you spend away from the church versus at the church. So what's a real life example of this with names and dates and places and times? <laughs> you mean, in other words, like what groups do this? Yes. Yeah. There is a group that does this, which is there is. So there is one group and that 
has become very cult-like in the sense of controlling, like if you're not baptized in their denomination, your baptism's not valid. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it, and so in other words, you could have been, you like, you could have been immersed, dunked in another, in another denomination, but they don't recognize that. It's not valid. You have to be baptized in their denomination okay. to be saved. Does um, it get worse than that? Does it get worse than that? Yeah. Yeah. So let me, I'm going to take us back a bit. Okay. This is what I'm aware of. And there's probably still remnants of this. Mm. There was this, there was this movement called the shepherding movement. Okay. In the seventies and eighties. And it was very controlling um, in terms of like people had to really disclose the amount of money they were making. They were like the, whoever their quote unquote shepherd or elder was like basically had access to their whole life. Like you just pretty much had to tell them everything you were doing, what you were doing, when you were doing it. Um, if you if you got an opportunity to have a, a job promotion, they would tell you whether you could go take the promotion and mm. if, if that caused you to go leave to a different area. Okay. And so it became very controlling. You know, um, they would and even this start. this is from the top. Like for the top down, the tops telling this person yeah. how to live, and like, then this person like, telling even to this the point of like you need to marry this person. Oh, like telling them this is who you need to marry. Well, that's how it used to be all the time, everywhere. <laughs> right, but it's not that way anymore. So <laughs> you know, and and so it was very. It's like that movement. That movement, I, I mean, for the most part, died out. Um, I'm sure there's still remnants of it. Um, but they it was all top down told each other to kill themselves <laughs> i hope that's not what happened no and i know for a fact that's not what happened um but yeah it was it became it was very top down mm -hmm. um and very controlling on every aspect of it so is that a cult at that point is that taking your preferences oh. and mission statements too far yeah i think most of the times the way christians would define a cult is that they are altering who Jesus is. Okay, so but how is this not altering, altering who yeah. Jesus is? So I because they would because but here's so here's what I'm saying. I think in the most common way we use the word a cult, use the word cult is to describe the branches of the Christian faith, quote unquote, which I would not really consider part of the Christian faith, but who understand Jesus in a different light. In other words, that Jesus is not actually God. Which are? So your Mormons, your Jehovah's Witnesses. Okay. Okay. Would be like your tip, like your probably two mainline mm. groups that I would consider cults. Okay. Okay. Because they, from the beginning, changed who Jesus was. Correct. And believed they had divine revelation. That changed that all that that was elevated above scripture. Okay. Yeah. And so even though they still use it's it's you know the odd dynamic of they still use scripture. Right. Um, but um now obviously in Mormonism they have their own book of Mormon right. that's in conjunction with scripture. Um and so but and what you're asking, but doesn't what I just described earlier feel cult like it does. Okay, because when when you're when you're starting to again, it's it's like you know when you're starting to really dictate to people who they can you know be with and see. I know another group. So, are you saying that you would feel like you were in a cult, or that you think that those practices are cult like? Both. Okay. Yeah, like in other words, that they I would I would describe that they are cult like. And I would say, yeah, okay. that's become a cult. Like, in other you words, would we, say we, that has become yeah, a cult because okay. they believe they're the only actual way. Like that particular, like, right. okay. like when or shepherding movement didn't, but the previous group I mentioned, mm -hmm. they believe like they were the only way. Like mm -hmm. they had, they were it. Only their group really understood scripture. And Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses both believe that their way is the only way. They won't yes. acknowledge that we're going to heaven. Correct. Okay. Correct. But in fairness, we also believe right. that, we're, that you know, but... So we're in a cult. 
<laughs> Great. Great. Welcome to the cult, Nate. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, but what do I do? <laughs> I think, but I think to me that's hopefully the difference in Christianity is that I can disagree with you and not tell you that you're going to hell. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, you can tell me you're. I'm I mean, going I to could. Hell. I could. Yeah. But and, and but yeah, but you could disagree with me. But you can disagree with me and say no, not. Yeah. Exactly. And I think in Christianity, there's okay. a there's a there's a space for it, and and plus, obviously, like every other group, we are functioning under the fact that under the the understanding is that we have had a revelation of who Jesus is, according to scriptures, mm. and we are affirming that. Okay, and so like, I'm not naive to the point of that we are you know, we're making exclusive truth claims as well. Well, I think I'm just going to read the Bible. I think that would probably be the best way to go about it. Because uh, I don't know about all this other stuff. <laughs> Read the Bible. Connect with a community of people who take the Bible seriously. Right. But who won't start like demanding insane things. If you like. There's another group. Right. And they would, um, they're huge in campus, like on college campuses. And they would convince the students that they needed to actually... Like as you got further along in the in the ministry, this this particular campus ministry, as they got further along in it, you they would actually tell you to cut off ties with your parents. Oh, we'll see that now. Yeah, and that's crossing. Like they 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 seem all nice. They mm. bring you in. You're part of a Bible study, and months later, they're saying, if your parents aren't going to believe the same way we do, you mm. need to cut off talking with them. Nope. Yeah, that's 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 where yeah, <laughs> it's where the line is drawn, right? It probably should have been drawn before that, but that's right. definitely the part you're mm-hmm. not going to step over, or you shouldn't, because that is very cult like. I that was fun. If you say so, yeah. Okay, I really enjoy how much you forced me to be here and do this. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's absolutely what happens uh-huh. every time. It's a struggle. <laughs> Well, this, this has Rescue been the one me. I heard this podcast. <laughs> you can follow the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Locals, Rumble, and other places that we do stuff. Click all the buttons, like all the things, download and subscribe. We have Patreon that's $5. We have Locals that's $5. We are not doing Twitter almost all the way yet. We have one, but it's not there. And Twitter and Twitter is at when I heard this pa at when I heard this, and all the other ones are at, at when I heard this podcast. Um, Joseph, that was fun. Uh, you can follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Nate Robinsoff, and you can follow Joseph on Instagram at Rev Joe T. This has been the when I heard this podcast, and we'll see you guys next time. Bye.